Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 29 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and this is also the two-year birthday the anniversary podcast anniversary of Hex Positive. Woohoo! We're all of two years old. And to celebrate, I've invited my podcast senpai, the esteemed admin of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network everyone's favorite lovable curmudgeon, Trey Dorn, to join me in the virtual studio for a very special chat. Just a couple quick announcements and then we'll dive right in. I'm going to have a table at the Oddities Witch Market on Sunday, May 15th at Diversity Richmond in Richmond, Virginia. The market runs from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. with both indoor and outdoor sections, and there are lots and lots of local vendors who will be there selling all manner of unique items. Artwork, decor, candles, jewelry, taxidermy, you name it. I'll be there with my books, as per usual, and the newly restocked witch web kits and mini starter kits in purple, because everyone seems to love purple, and maybe one or two surprises that you haven't seen before. Now, this is a ticketed event, so make sure you visit the Facebook page to get your tickets through Eventbrite if you haven't already. Tickets are only five bucks, and then you can stay as long as you like, and there's going to be plenty to see. So definitely make sure you check that out. And if you can't make it to Richmond, make sure you check out the Willow Wings Witch Shop, where you can find just about everything that I typically have on my table at these witch markets. Books, kits, homemade magical powders, stickers buttons. Oh, I actually just restocked the pinback buttons a little while ago with a bunch of new designs. So make sure you go and have a look at that. Also, for my international listeners, I can't ship overseas without incurring horrendous shipping costs, but I do fulfill book orders anywhere that there's a KDP print hub. Currently, there are hubs in the U.S., Canada, Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Australia, and the U.K. So anyone living in those countries can order books directly from my shop if you feel like avoiding import fees, screwing Bezos out of a few dollars, and, you know, helping me keep the lights on. Just make sure that you put your full mailing address in the order form, including country. I will put links to everything in the show notes. And with that, let's get right into the episode. Spring is a time of renewal and new beginnings, but more than anything, it signals the start of new growth. And just as the world renews itself with the change of seasons, we must also grow and change in our journey with the craft. To that end, Trey and I sat down to talk about how we've grown and changed since our early days. Specifically, we talked about the things we believed as novice witches that we have since 
outgrown. Everyone goes through this. It is a normal part of your journey with the craft and your journey as a human being. So maybe hearing some of the foibles that we've been through can help you see some of the mistakes coming ahead of time. So Trey, you started as a witch as a Wiccan in the nineties, I can only imagine where you started because things have changed so radically since then. And to be clear to listeners, I remain a Wiccan in 2022, just a very different kind of one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. uh, I said this before we started recording but uh i don't know how much your listeners are familiar with my podcast based your witchcraft but i kind of have a reputation for taking down a lot of the myths that went into early wicca and like a lot of the myths that get passed around the witchcraft and wiccan community and it's because when i was a dumb teenager in the 90s i believed all of these dumb things you know it's i thought wicca was ancient i thought the threefold rule had some grounding in fact actually that one didn't get debunked until long into my practice um i thought the reed was ancient i thought that uh like the reed poem was this ancient thing i thought that wicca was this unbroken line going back millennia this ancient art that had been passed down from this pre-Christian matriarchal society that it's so bad. (laughs) It's it's so ahistorical and so bad. And it's so frustrating to know, like when I first started actually to do research after I'd been practicing probably for like three, three or four years, because I went through my year of study reading these sources, witchcraft sources that like told me all this is true. Like all this stuff is how it works. And it was like, like three or four years into my practice that like, I, that's like, it started with uh, reading drawing down the moon by Margaret Adler, which is why I always recommend that book for people to start with, because my life would have been easier and less frustrating if I had read that in like my first year of being a witch. And it existed at the time. I just was dumb didn't read it um like it wasn't until then that like my eyes started to open and like i i went through you ever do those like phases of rationalization about your worldview like when you find out that something that like oh well okay so the group that gerald gardner joined in new forest they really weren't old and were actually fairly recent well Mm -hmm. Well, maybe Gerald just believed they were ancient. Like, maybe Gardner just believed, like, maybe he bought the, like, you do that thing where you, like, rationalize to yourself that, like, he couldn't Mm -hmm. really just be something he, you know, put together with duct tape and glue. No, it, I, you know, that's just, the man liked to party. Uh, And to be Fair, to be fair, on your point with uh, with Adler's Drawing Down the Moon, which is an excellent resource, I also recommend it to people, um, it is kind of a tome. And for oh, yeah. more practitioners, that can be a little intimidating, but it is it is something I would call recommended reading because you yeah. need to know the modern history. Yeah, it's some of the languages dated. I think the last update was, God, oh, I usually know it's the 2012 I'm going to Google that because <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it was sometime in the current century, right? which, but it, which is pretty amazing because most uh, 
most of the foundational text didn't get updated at all. So the fact right. that she went, hey, this needs oh, yeah, to be no, updated to include more stuff is awesome. Well, there there are multiple revisions, but uh, she passed away in 2014. Uh, Margaret Adler passed away in 2014, so obviously it wasn't Bless. updated after her death. Uh, I want to say that it, it it was in the two, it was in the 2000s that she last updated it. Uh, is it? It might be only 2006. 2006 might be the the last update to it. Um, Still, and she did periodically go back and update it, like because um, like I think there are uh, four different versions of the book. The 2006 is the version I recommend to people because that's. But like there are stuff like there is some dated language in the. Uh, in the section about Dianic Wicca when it comes to transgender people. So like, I want to like, just as a warning for that, that uh, like it is when reading that as a modern reader in 2022 or later, if you're listening to this podcast later than 2022, because that's how time works. Once things are recorded and published, uh, like there is some, like, it's, it's really only one sentence that might be uh, triggering to some people. But it's overall, it's an excellent source. And yeah, and it's much less problematic than a lot of other uh, like modern pagan literature books, which is saying something. Well, yeah, it's well, the thing is, is it's Margaret Adler was a Wiccan, um, but she also was a journalist for NPR. So it's and it's not a history of Wicca. It's a history of like the whole neo-pagan movement. So you get a lot about modern Druidry in there and like other parts of the movement. Like these days I tend to discuss things as like the modern witchcraft movement, but that has more to do with kind of its slight separation from the neo-pagan movement. It all starts with the neo-pagan movement. Um, right. Right. It's yeah. That actually, uh, brings us around to something uh, that I'm not sure if it's problematic, but it's certainly uh, incorrect. Uh, Something that I believed when I was first starting out, and that was that you absolutely positively had to be pagan in order to be a witch and not just pagan, but like a certain flavor of earth centered pagan, if not Wiccan, then something Wiccan adjacent and therefore had to like use all of the same principles you know, imagine my shock when I found out later on, wait a minute, I can do this in a secular fashion. There's oh, yeah. Christian witches, there's atheist witches, <gasps> mind blown. But I'm yeah. really glad that I found that out because it, it fits my personal belief structure so much better. And uh, I think it really cuts back on the whole, you know, one correct way fallacy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's, I got into witchcraft more originally from a spiritual angle than I did from a, I want to, I mean, I, I like casting spells. I cast spells all the time, but like, that's not why I got into witchcraft. I got into witchcraft myself from more of a personal, like spiritual journey. And I hate you. Here's I the problem. A lot of us do. Yeah. Here's the thing. I hate so much how I feel when I hear or say the word spiritual. Thanks. To, <laughs> like that's a, whole other rant than a whole other episode but just just for the listeners to know i hear what i'm saying i hear what i sound like when i'm saying it and i hear the upper middle class uh white woman in new age white woman in my voice when i say spiritual (laughs) next time on bs free witchcraft (laughs) but yeah um yeah no it's 
the con the conflation of Wicca and witchcraft is really it's well it's Gerald Gardner's fault. It is. It's there's no one to blame. But, I mean, there are lots of people to blame, but it also a lot of the blame lays squarely on him. Uh, first off, like the the name Wicca actually doesn't come into the the religion until really after Gardner's death. Uh, Gerald Gardner would refer to practitioners of which of his religion as the Wicca sometimes when he only spelled it with one C, uh, but he always referred to it as witchcraft because he was very much pitching the Margaret Murray Great White Wicca witch cult myth, right? Um, he was. And Ugh. like it's the point that like Murray wrote a I can't remember if he wrote a for he Murray wrote a forward to one of Gardner's books. Like let me put it mm -hmm. that way. Um yeah. it's so he always insisted that it was witchcraft and it was the only kind of European witchcraft and that was like his whole pitch. And and because of that, it, it gets in this tone into all of the Wicca books that come after that to treat it that way, right? And while later authors would obviously debunk that, um, you know, Aidan Kelly definitely made it really clear in the 90s that like, no, this is new. Shut up. And again, academia was pretty certain that Wicca was new the whole time. I just want to be clear, like, we talk about witchcraft sources throughout, like, even through the 90s and early 2000s, like, still perpetuating the, the myth that Wicca is ancient. And there probably yeah. are still new ones today. But I want to point out that it was never really any academic doubt that Wicca was new. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just that it got it got muddled up, I think, in, like, the modern witchcraft movement because... Uh, you know, Margaret Murray had this, you know, like you said, this great white witch cult thing. Uh, and she kind of co-signed a lot of what Gardner was saying. So I think her ideas and his ideas kind of got muddled up and people were like, oh, well, she's saying it's this and he's saying it's this. And right. she literally wrote the uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica article on witchcraft, so it must be true, right? And, right. and it didn't help that that didn't get debunked until, what, the 60s? Well, here's the thing, is that it was a controversial take when she wrote the Encyclopedia Britannica entry. It was not a widely yes. held conclusion. So mm -hmm. it's the real problem is, and I think this is the, the larger issue, is that a lot of people in witchcraft only look at witchcraft sources yes. for the history of witchcraft. Uh. And it's the key here is, and like, obviously, an academic source is not going to necessarily give you guidance on how to, you know, make whatever charm to do whatever thing. But one should always look at the academic sources, uh, at least for the history of white people, they're pretty good. So, like, <laughs> if, if another looking, issue for another day as well. Right, right. But we're looking at like when we talk about witchcraft with a capital W in the modern witchcraft movement. Again, we're only we only classify things that call themselves witchcraft, which was reclaimed largely in the 20th century, starting with Wicca, but other groups have done it too. And we only apply that word witchcraft to people who claim the word witch, right? So again, I'm not talking about folk exactly. or indigenous practices that do not call themselves witchcraft. Um, but when we take a look at it- that would be insulting. Right, because a lot of them find the word derogatory. So we don't apply the word to people who don't want it. So uh, that's just all around to say that like though, so when we're talking about European witchcraft, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know if you know this, but European academics love to study European history. 
And the history of Europe within Europe is actually pretty well studied. <laughs> like the history of Europeans in Europe, there's a lot of academic sources. So if you're looking for the history of that, one should look outside the witchcraft, new age, or spirituality section for a minute to like oh, yeah. Definitely. confirm. Like, Yeah, this is why I, I keep telling people, you know, if you're going to have magical education, it is every bit as important and in some cases maybe more important to also have that mundane education because that history research is going to provide a really, really vital context and framework for everything else that you're learning about magic. And maybe it will also help them like debunk some of the bullshit a little faster well, than I was able to. I mean, like, let's take a look at like, you just did a whole episode in April about uh, Ostara and Easter, right? Oh yes. The age old Easter rant. And I'm actually pretty proud of how it turned out. I will admit I have not gotten a chance to listen to the episode yet because we're recording this on April 3rd, for the record. To break your sense <laughs> of immersion, listener, we're recording this on April 3rd, and the episode just came out on April 1st, and so I have not And it's not, not an chance. April Fool's Day episode either. It's, no, it's not, not for April Fool's Day. It is, it is completely serious. For Yeah, we did no April Fool's Day jokes on the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network this year because um, nope. I didn't have a chance to make one. Um <laughs> I do an April Fool's joke. I do like a whole fake podcast episode, and it's a lot of work. I don't know if you know this, uh, but uh, I, I would have done fake history. But there's enough fake history in the witchcraft community. I I didn't want yeah. to add to the pile. But like the the holidays, the wheel of the year is like rife with myths and legends that have been passed through the modern witchcraft movement that are just not true, right? Ostara is a great example. Uh, the fact that Ostara, a holiday in March, is named after effectively the name of the month of April should be a big uh, clue. <laughs> Thanks, Aiden Kelly. Aiden Kelly, yeah. Nobody called the Vernal Equinox Ostara until Aiden Kelly put the name on it. We we literally, we know the guy. Like, mm. we know who the guy was. Preach. We have the article. We, we have literal articles online of him talking about it. I linked one in the show notes for the, the He said episode. why he did it. Like, yes. this is... Aiden Kelly is probably one of the more controversial figures in the Wicca community for a lot of reasons, but he was very open about how he just thought Ostara would be a good name for the holiday. So there's no ancient practices of people celebrating this as that, right? Like, but Vernal Equinox, yes. Right. Possibly depending on the place. And let's not get into the whole Edward Williams you know, debunked claims about druids, but vernal equinox, yes, Ostara, no. Right, right. And it's obviously spring holidays have always existed. Like, let's not get caught up too much in, in that, but like the association right. of the, of Ostara Eoster with rabbits. Like, so like there's always claims of like, oh, that there's this like, you know, ancient holiday, and that's why we use these fertility symbols and all this stuff, and it's, like, you get to, like, um, like, the eggs and the rabbits come from, first off, two different sources. <laughs> um, but, like, we only, the only reason why, like, people would ever make the claim that, like, the, like, if, if the goddess Eoster or Osara existed, if, which is technically possible, Bede might have been right, 
that there was a goddess just because to have a name that's significant over a period, you know, but B didn't write down anything about Eostra, yes. right? And we had like, no sources before him because, for her existence. Right. Now, and, and Bede actually had, like, a lot of good sources, but Bede was a monk who wouldn't have bothered writing them down because he wasn't trying to spread the pagan religion. <laughs> he just was like, oh, yeah, that's why it might be named that. Right? Like, it's, it is entirely possible that Bede was correct that there was a goddess. However, we have zero information about her because there's no other written record, right? So you cannot extrapolate from Bede anything about her. Exactly. And, and I actually I actually talk about in the April episode yeah. uh, where the whole association with uh, with bunnies and eggs came in. And it didn't come in until the 1800s. Well, it's grim uh, in brought, brought like said that bunnies might be associated with the goddess Eostra. Yes. And then someone else took that and went, well, you know, uh, there's lots of other European pre-Christian religions that have uh, some association with with rabbits and birds and eggs with their springtime rites. So probably this alleged pre-Christian Germanic, well, maybe Anglo-Saxon goddess would have had them, too. Right. Never sure. mind. Never mind that early Christian artwork often associated uh, like I'm talking like first and second century often associated rabbits with the Virgin Mary. Because uh, there's this really weird thing in uh, <laughs> there's this really weird thing in um, the, the ancient world where there was a theory that rabbits produced uh the rabbits had both male and female sex organs and could reproduce on their own. It it was a weird theory. It's bonks. It's so and also nuts. in some places that rabbits laid eggs. Right. But yeah. it's that's how so because of that, there was an association with with the Virgin Mary with um with rabbits because of the virgin birth. Now the reason why I bring in the 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 virgin birth is because um, it all comes down to Passover. Because in Ooh, like first and second talk about yeah first and second century, it was believed that um, uh, Jesus's conception. I always want to call it the Immaculate Conception, but the Immaculate Conception is actually the conception of Mary and not Jesus. But like, I don't know. I'm not Catholic. My brain got it wrong. You know as a young person and I always want to call it the wrong thing. I've been corrected on this so many times, but the, the conception of Jesus, right? The, the virgin conception of Jesus is supposed to have happened in the early Christian church believed it happened at around Passover, which is why Christmas is in December. Um, but right. Because, because they, they had yeah. this whole deal where like spiritually significant people were supposed to have had like, this perfect life cycle where they would uh, they would be born at a certain time of year and then they would die around the time that either they were born or they were conceived, depending right. on the source. And because so that plays we knew into that, it later. And because they knew that Jesus was crucified around Passover, or, you know, it's like the Last Supper is supposedly a Passover Seder, that um, 
his death then gets well, not necessarily a seder but definitely supposed to be associated well, with passover that's right right, right. no i'm not i'm me. i'm not saying it was a seder i'm saying it is supposedly like it is it was proposed yeah. by the church like it's that that's what i'm saying yeah yeah i'm not Take i'm not Rome. <laughs> i am not asserting fact i am asserting uh i am describing belief all right <laughs> The the only facts I, I am I am a fact of belief, not a fact of reality. As in the fact that someone believed this, uh, and so you get imagery of the church at that time of year with that kind of year. You mush them together, things end up in the thing. And like obviously, rabbits were kind of a universal, not just the early like the whole like people exist within a culture, man. But we're not here to talk about Easter. We're here to talk about nonsense, because what happens is, is then people say, oh, look, there are these common fertility symbols throughout multiple regions, because I don't know if you know this, but rabbits reproduce a lot, and a lot of people <laughs> see obvious things. It must be part of some unbroken pagan line. Oh, sure. Just because, and, you know, oh, something existed in antiquity that still exists in some form now, that must mean that it survived unchanged, which is bull. And I've driven us so far off the tracks to say that, like, <laughs> like I believed all of these lies about the, the Wiccan Wheel of the Year, right? Like, I, I believed that Ostara was an ancient holiday. I believed that the version of Yule in Wicca was the historic Yule, which is so wrong. And it's probably a bunch of heathens <laughs> all just rolled their eyes so hard that they <laughs> fell back into their heads. And... Like I believed the Christians stole our holidays, um, so hard. I did too. Like, I did too. It's I so embarrassing. I remember ranting about it, and oh, God, I, yeah. I actually, I was actually on the other side of that for a few years. You know, now I have this this whole thing where it's like Easter is not Ostara, two K forever is is kind of like my thing, but. There was a time where I believed just as rabidly, you know, oh, Christians stole our holidays and, you know, all, all the bunk that you hear about, you know, well, they, they just they didn't have any uh, beliefs of their own. So they just, you know, straight up stole the pagan calendar, nebulous pagan, uh, as if it was yeah. all universal uh, and just tacked their beliefs onto everything. And then one year, uh, I believe it was right around like the Yule Christmas winter holiday time, I was like, I sat back and I had a moment of reflection, which is something else that I think that a lot of modern witches and pagans could really benefit from. I had a moment of self-reflection and went, why am I holding on to this so hard? And why am I fighting with other people about it when all they're trying to do is enjoy their winter holidays. Why do I feel the need to step in and, you know, be the party pooper? You know, why is it so important to my identity as a witch and a pagan to naysay these other people? And I realized it was like, no, this, this isn't me, you know, having a strong belief in anything that's based in history. Cause I, I realized at the same time, it was like, wait, where am I getting this information? Something else we could all stand to do is yeah. examine our sources. And it was like, no, this is, this is about my own personal issues as an ex Christian. And maybe I need to take a step back and go, you know what? 
whatever happened in history, nothing is stopping me from celebrating these holidays now. And maybe I should just embrace the spirit of the season, which is peace on earth and goodwill toward everyone. Yeah. And, you know, let's all like help each other out and lift each other up. And there's enough negativity in the world. I don't need to add to it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop grinching this because it's not helping anything. And it's really just making me look like an asshole. And that was the start of me coming around to being like, you know, maybe I should really look into this so that I know from whence I speak. Right. When I'm saying something. And then I found out, oh, holy shit. I have been so wrong for so many years. And I was embarrassed. Oh, yeah. I had to take so many steps back. I had to backpedal so hard. And I think that's something that is very difficult for a lot of people, not only to like acknowledge that they were wrong, but then to have to admit it. And the harder that they're holding on to a belief as part of their identity, the harder it is for them to, you know, kind of backtrack. Yeah. Oh, I am. I am so amazingly lucky that my dumbass stage happened before social media. So every stupid thing I ever said in these terms, 99% of it was in something where there is no written record that I was that much of an (laughs) idiot. I got so like, so what's really embarrassing is that there should have, there's this moment that should have been eye opening to me, but wasn't. Uh, And that was actually pretty early on. And I thankfully did not look stupid in this moment, like in history, because this is, this is an imprint moment because in high school uh, I got interviewed uh, by the school paper in a article about other uh, holiday, you know, things besides Christmas that were happening, you know, in our, you know, and so I was, I was openly Wiccan and one of my friends worked on the school paper said, Hey, can I interview about, like, can I talk to you about like Yule, Wiccan Yule and stuff like that? I was like, sure. And thank God I was super vague because uh, I was very much in the, like, in the super wrong phase of my life <laughs> where like, Oh no, Yule is a Wiccan thing. And again, as I said before, a great white Wicca witch cult myth buyer here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said a few things. And then the person who wrote the article did some actual research on Yule <laughs> and wrote up all this stuff about Yule, like the actual historic Yule and stuff like that, that I didn't know about. And thankfully, nothing I said contradicted it. <laughs> so I read the article afterwards and it was like, oh, this is very different than what I know and understand about this holiday. Mm-hmm. Which is why you need those mundane academic sources as well you, as the magical ones. But you know what my dumbass brain did? Rationalized. Oh, there must be more than one way that people currently adapted Yule from that earlier source. Cognitive dissonance. Mm, oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was a, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not wrong. There just also is this other thing that shares oh. a name. Yeah, I couldn't possibly be that I have no historical foundation for anything that I believe here. I'm a dumb teenager. So close to enlightenment and we just trip at the finish line. And for younger listeners, understand that, like, I couldn't go to Wikipedia. That did not exist yet. You know? We we are both older than Wikipedia, Google, and YouTube. We are, we are technically older than the public service internet. 
I have dumb things on the internet I wrote about witchcraft that are older than all of those sources. Yep. I have gotten rid of most of them. There's some really <sighs> bad witchcraft articles I wrote in like 2008, and I was 27 when I wrote those, so I have no one to blame but me. Yeah. I wasn't super I'm... wrong in those. They're just badly written. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad that all of the, the dumb nonsense that I believed uh, as a teenager, before I actually uh, properly got into witchcraft and paganism, but still, like, was into the occult and was into, you know, folklore and mythology and the ooky spooky stuff. We all have that phase. It was my it was my X-Files and, you know, paranormal adjacent stuff phase. Um it it it's called when you want to be goth but your mom only lets you shop at JC Penney yeah. and buys all your clothes cuz that's the type of home that I had. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I wanted so bad to be part of that subculture. And the most I could do was like dark lipstick and eyeliner, which I had to clean off before I came home. I hung uh, out with so many goths, but I was far too, you know, I think I never adopted the goth stuff because like I even dated someone who worked at Hot Topic. Um, I just never had the energy to do it. Yeah. And oh, I, I, I was so thrilled when I had like literally just like my first black t-shirt. That was a huge deal. I, uh, I, <laughs> But I also like was like a metalhead in like middle school and like and high school. And it was the '90s, so I mostly dressed in really, really baggy jeans. And I don't mean like I don't mean like when you think of '90s big jeans, I don't mean like the cool big jeans. I just mean like um, Levi's with the gigantic ass. Like oh I don't God. know how to describe yes. it. Like I think it was the was it the five sixties. I'm trying to remember the mm -hmm. cut. Um, but, uh, so loose oh denim, God, um, big flannel the, the shirt. Legs, the legs you could fit an entire family into. Yeah, but not like that. Like, not, not the wide leg. Like, just relaxed fit. <laughs> Way too relaxed. Yeah, it, it was the 90s. No one knew that, like, no one told you that, you know, fitted jeans makes everyone's ass look better. Um, mm -hmm. they don't have to be tight. They just have to fit you. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, I, I like big flannel shirts sometimes. Mm -hmm. If it got warm, you tied your flannel around your waist, um, yep. <laughs> and oh, or sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you left the house with the flannel pre tied around your waist, you never intended to wear it as a shirt, but oh, it, yeah, was it was just the an fashion accessory, yeah, it was an accessory. So mm -hmm. you got your flannel and your t shirt, and it was, I was a geeky nerd in the 90s and so like i'd have like a wolverine t-shirt on with the oh, yes. flannel shirt tied around my waist um i had long hair uh in my senior year i could roughly grow a goatee so i had it then and that was like 1999 like 98 99 i had a goatee uh but uh long hair the flannel shirt and then i had a like either it was converse all-stars were the shoe uh, except I weirdly like senior year of high school, like decided to just wear duck boots for like a whole year. And I don't know why. I because just, of reasons. <laughs> like they're not cool boots. Like no one was doing this. Like this was not a fashion trend for people to just wear duck boots year round. It's <laughs> like in the winter, a lot of people wore duck boots because it was Wisconsin and it was the winter and we all had to walk to school and sometimes you don't want to bother like bringing a second pair of shoes to school. Right. 
that's where it started, I think. And then I was just like, oh, these are comfortable. I'm just going to wear these year round. Uh, I just wore duck boots year round. So, like, this is the cartoon. This is the weird ass person I am as an as an early Wiccan. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I leaned into the whole uh, sort of almost hippie chick thing that was happening in like the late 90s, early 2000s. That's where my whole aesthetic was. It was the the bell sleeves and the uh, the bell bottom jeans and the long maxi skirts and just whatever sort of hippie esque fashion I could possibly find. There was a lot of velour. I, I seem to recall a lot of velour and a lot of uh, velvet and crushed velvet and <laughs> denim. And most of it was blue because my my whole thing back then was just everything was blue granted i look fantastic in blue uh but i've you know sort of moved on from that and my mom actually would comment uh in in amazement whatever anything made it into my wardrobe that wasn't some shade of blue but around that time uh you know it it was sort of like the uh the the second round so to speak of the new age movement and like things were becoming more prevalent in media and I latched on to a lot of the 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 witchy sort of subculture stuff that was circulating you know I watched Charmed I watched Buffy every time the pyramid collection showed up in the mailbox oh my oh that was that was my favorite day of the month it was all the pyramid (laughs) collection catalog is here oh it's it's kids today don't know about the pyramid collection oh my god (laughs) They shouldn't know about it. It's not, it's, it's so bad. It's not good. But when you're not good, but some of the clothing was really pretty. If you're a suburban white kid in the 90s looking for witchcraft stuff, Mm -hmm. that was that catalog shows up in your mailbox every month. You're you're gonna stare at all the stuff in the pyramid collection. Oh my god, it was crystal balls. They had crystal balls. I wanted one so bad. Mm -hmm. Never, never got one. Now I don't have one because I'm afraid of accidentally burning my home down. Um, (laughs) Because I would forget to cover the damn thing. I would. Yeah, hard And same. then, like, it would be, like, 5 p.m. on a Sunday, and the sunlight's going to come right through that window, and mm-hmm. there's the hole in the carpet. <laughs> that would be my luck, too. I'm also, just I, just, I just don't have a, much of a use for one, as, as cool as they are, but... Oh, I never had a use for one. I don't scry all that often, or if ever. You just ever. want it for the aesthetic, and sometimes yeah. you do just want things for the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and no. speaking speaking of aesthetic, that was the other thing I had to outgrow was that you know you had to have these certain things in order to be a proper witch. Like you had to you know have the full ritual set of like cauldron, chalice, athame, and wand. You had to have a crystal ball. You had to have all these herbs you'd grown yourself. You had to have, you know, a bowling for harvesting plants and like everything had to be super duper fancy. And nowadays I'm like, yeah, my garden shears are good enough. You know, oh, I have this sewing kit that I picked up from like a convenience store. I can, I can use this for, yeah. for a spell. Oh, what's it, what's in the, the, you know, desk, uh, the desk drawer at my office. I can use paper clips and post-it notes for something. This, this will work. You have salt I, packets from the diner. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. Oh, pretzel salt. Pretzel salt. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah. So I get those super yeah, yeah, pretzels yeah. at the grocery store. The microwave oh, pretzel. There's always way more salt than I ever need. And so I just end up with, like, all these extra salt packets. That salt is just great. It's big. It's chonky. It looks mm. nice. It's I, I have a container of it somewhere in my office. 
of where I just like collected it. And it's like, it's, I, I, my, my wife hates it that there are all these bags of salt just <laughs> swirled away. And I'm like, but I might need that. And she's like, right? you never need it. I'm like, the second it's you throw like, it away, you'll need it. She'll point out that you deconstructed most of your witchcraft to not require material components for any of your goddamn spells. And I'm like, right, but, but what if but I salt. wanted to like have the aesthetic of like, also, if I need an element of earth on my altar, salt is really good for that. And she was like, you haven't had a permanent altar in the entire time we've been married. And I'm like, <laughs> what if I wanted one? And then she'd be like, we live in a 500 square foot apartment. And I'm like, yeah, but eventually the housing market won't be terrible and then and then she'd be like wait we're not actually ever having this conversation because you have this in your head long before you ever bring it up with me and uh you know you don't need this and you do this anyways uh, oh, the witchy urge to, urge to hoard components you will never freaking use i oh, yeah yeah no it's i have stuff that i have for pure witchy aesthetics that will like never never i i love them so much like i have my my sun jars which are those that i bought them on think geek a long time ago actually gifts for me off of think geek i put them on a wish oh i remember those me. but the rechargeable solar battery in them and then they yes. just glow when it's dark and it's um uh -huh. i i've got i've got my sun jars and they are in my office i have popped the rechargeable battery out because they haven't been in sun for so long that i'm pretty sure they're not going to function with the yeah. original like they'll function with new batteries um, but like, it's just an led and it, yeah, like you can but make your own cool. But yeah. They're awesome. I love them. Yeah. I have two of them. <laughs> um, they, I actually I, have some homemade fairy jars sitting around here somewhere. Yeah. It's, uh, I've, I've got, I, I've got battery powered candles from before they were cheap and everywhere. Obviously I've got a whole bunch of those oh, better side yes. lights, but I've got the, the, mm -hmm. the fancy ones where you blow them on and blow them out. Oh, that's freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, that's goals. Yeah, I got like I got like three of them in like one big one and then two smaller ones, and they look really cool. And they can do a natural looking flame, and they can do like this bright blue magic looking flame, and I love it. <gasps> so um, cool. And uh, all of that is unimportant aesthetic nonsense that I do not need <laughs> in my practice. I do not need any of that stuff, but at one point I thought I did. I definitely mm -hmm. did back when I self-initiated. Fucking 1990, whatever. <laughs> I'm and, you in know, my 40s. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's great to have, like, the aesthetic trappings. Uh, like, I think part of the fun of, like, being a witch is that you get to have, you know, all of this, like, cool stuff around your home. And, and sure, anybody can have it, but you can have it and it actually, like, has some meaning. Yeah. Beyond just, oh, this is a pretty stone that I got at Pier 1, you know? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but it's But also, it's, it's cool okay to have, have pretty things for no meaning other than the fact, ooh, it's pretty, I like it. Oh, yeah, it, it's cool to have, you know, an aesthetic. You know, aesthetics are fun. That That's half the reason that we get into them is because they're freaking fun. But, um, you know, when, when it's like you have to have this certain aesthetic in order to do the thing properly, that's, that's where I got oh, picked yeah. up. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. like, oh, and you you have to have like, uh, what was it? I had to have um, like a certain outfit on when I did my spells because it was like, oh, all the books I had were like, well, you have to have um, ritual garb of some kind. And it should look like this, but it really it can be whatever you want to as long as you wear it every time you have a ritual or do a thing. Um, 
And like that, that played into, well, when every time you do a spell, you have to do a complex ritual, you have to uh, cast a circle, it has to be in this, you know, certain environment, you should be doing it outside, you should be calling on deities. And it was like, it took me a long time to sort of grow out of the idea that there was a certain way to do magic as well, not just like a certain set of ways to be a witch but there was like there's as many ways to practice witchcraft as there are witches in the world and it took me for freaking ever to get past the you know you have to get all of your stuff from an occult shop we'll be back with more hex positive after this brief sponsored break this episode is brought to you in part by portland buttonworks Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment? Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. Portland Buttonworks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their new Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items or order in bulk for merchandise or big events. I've been getting buttons from Portland Buttonworks for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the Hex Positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And this month, in honor of their 10th anniversary, they're offering not one, but two discount codes. Enter buttons only for 20% off custom button orders or birthday 10 for 10% off any other merchandise. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the newly rebranded Spiral House Shop, a thoughtfully curated catalog of pre-made buttons, zines, books, comics, tarot cards, and other curiosities, Spiral House focuses on intersectionality, the personal as political, witchcraft, magic, and occult topics there's a good chance that they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Spiral House Shop at spiralhouseshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. Happy birthday, Portland Buttonworks! If you like what you're hearing on this podcast and would like to help support the show, make sure you visit the Willow Wings Witch Shop. There you can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for specialty items you won't find anywhere else, like witch web kits, vials of my homemade banishing powder, and podcast merch. Use code HEXPOSITIVE to get a special surprise with your order. Visit brinacaron.wordpress.com shop and place your order today. And now back to the show. So you ever think sort that maybe say so ever think that maybe some British traditional Wiccans do a lot of stuff skyclad to save money on ritual garb? You know, I wonder. <laughs> one does wonder. It, it's not just because Gerald Definitely didn't a, like wearing pants. I mean, Gerald did did not like wearing pants. That is true. That is that's, that is historically again, like, recorded. Bunked the wheel of the year, like it's like the the Wiccan wheel of the year was Ross Nichols, and if you believe the anecdote, which I do, is that Ross Nichols, of, uh, who's a druid, um, and Gerald Gardner were at a nudist retreat, and 
were sitting there naked and just came up with it because uh, Ross Nichols wanted to do the four, uh, the four historic uh, Celtic fire festivals of, you know, Lunasa, Samhain, um, and Bulk and Beltane. And uh, Gardner wanted to uh, do the, uh, the astronomical changes of the seasons. And so they put the jelly in the peanut butter. And I know that's a weird phrase to say when talking about two naked old men at a party, but it's... So many nut jokes. I know. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a whole texture element, too. Uh, but... Oh! <laughs> um, the... Where's the coffee? Like, that's not like, that's like, that. that's when that happened, right? Like, it's it's two old guys naked at a party, put them together. Mm-hmm. They weren't historically the same thing. And the astronomical, the astronomical calendar based on, the change of seasons based on the astronomical season changes is really not necessarily relevant in most parts of the world because... His, you know, the actual temperature changes, like, actually don't really line up with that, but... Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, know. there's a whole, you know, entire half of the globe that it doesn't apply to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is yeah. why we just retrofitted it to uh, rotating the calendar. Um, exactly. Which, I mean, technically works. Uh, but why is the veil thinnest in the northern hemisphere at a different time of year than in the southern hemisphere? <laughs> I'm just... I'm just asking, because that is why, why, why does if so, if you die on the equator, when do you get to pass into Summerland? <laughs> you have to sit and wait for the next train. <sighs> but are, are you just stuck at the equator? I mean, which I guess is fine. The weather's always sunny. Um, yeah, unless there's a hurricane. Uh, but if, if you don't mind warm weather, it might not be the worst thing. Hey, maybe that's where the Summerlands are. Oh God! They call them the summer lands. Oh no! Go. Oh no! Ah. Uh, I'm just saying, like that. It, it doesn't like. It's a fundamental flaw in the. Uh, yeah. It, in it's the a fundamental flaw. It's 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 a fundamental flaw in a system that was made up by people who were kind of very. Uh, focused on a, a very sort of small geographical area. They were really basing things on stuff that was happening culturally and geographically speaking, kind of in their own backyard. And they right. weren't really thinking about what the rest of the world was doing or like other climate zones or other right, time but that's, zones. That's why and like as a universal the, philosophy, the as a universal yeah. philosophy, it doesn't quite work. Um, yeah. And mm. so it's uh, like, and the way it's been adapted, like, it's fine that it's been adapted that way, but let's, like, maybe think about the fact that this is largely symbolic within the context that it's being used here. And yeah. uh, You can't really run a universal philosophy on Greenwich Mean Time. I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah. also, it's like, on one hand, like, how did anybody buy that, like, this was this ancient Wicca thing when, like, oh, it's the thinnest veils to the next world? Uh, Wicca doesn't um, overtly believe in an afterlife as a religion that's not incorporated into the, the theology. Uh, so why, wh- how can we claim that this holiday, which in theory like has that as part of its foundational roots, be part of this other thing and have it just be the same thing, like that this is ancient and originates here when the 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 stuff is the the, the <laughs> 
the, the, the beliefs espoused in the holiday don't match up to the beliefs 364 days of the year. Yeah, it's it's very sort of, well, if you squint and look slightly to the left, you'll see a distraction. Like, it's fine. Like, it's 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 fine that we are interpreting and, and like, and adapting these things to this newer form. It's not like a closed practice or something like that, but you can't perpetuate the myth of being the originator of said thing, right? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yet, yet, yet they did. Like, there are some myths within Wicca that I'm embarrassed that it took me so long to figure out. Um, Like, it wasn't until, oh God, my 30s, that I I stopped believing the threefold rule long before I realized the threefold rule was a later tack on to my religion because I looked at the threefold rule over the years and I was just like, "This, this doesn't make sense. With the rest of our, with our, our moral philosophy or anything like that, or the way that our, like, <laughs> the way that the Wiccan God and Goddess supposedly work doesn't work with the threefold rule, nor not does to the read. the way that, yeah, not to mention the way that, like, actual <laughs> consequences occur in real life. Yeah, right, no, but right, like, I'm saying, like, the, like, there are people who believe that bad things happen to bad people because of stuff, and, like, they make up some justification for it, but, like, our gods, our God and Goddess don't work that way. Right? Yeah, like, it's like it's, why why are you applying this this concept of what it what it what is basically sin to uh, a religion religion that's not supposed to believe in sin? <laughs> with with the god and goddess that are not supposed to be either good or evil. Exactly. They're they're not. Um, and so I was like, why why would they give a shit? It's uh, and because and so I Buckland's just, interpretation. So, that's why. well, <laughs> Monique Wilson. Let's Buckland's popularization. Monique Wilson came up with the stupid idea. Um. Fair. That's uh, but like yeah, it's I didn't learn until I was in my I didn't bother going back like I was like this never made sense to me and then I later researched so I discarded it from my own personal theology as a Wiccan because I was like well some Wiccans don't believe it I was like I didn't bother looking into why some Wiccans don't believe it. but I was like okay so a lot of other Wiccans have discarded it I can discard this and these other people aren't considered less Wiccan for discarding it so like I don't have to give up my whole like the important parts to me are like my understanding of uh of, of of deity and higher power and then my belief that it shouldn't hurt other people and also doing magic is sick as hell um but the i didn't bother looking into the origins of the threefold rule i looked into the origins of the reed a long time ago, like long before that and like did research on the reed long before i ever bothered to look at the threefold rule and uh it wasn't until my thirties that I that looked at it, and that's when I found out that Monique Wilson made it up and did a misinterpretation from High Magic Aid, took the name from that, and made up kind of a whole new thing that is a completely different thing, like off of a misinterpretation or a purposeful misinterpretation of High Magic Aid. I don't know. Um, the uh, and then like and buckle popularized and all that stuff, and so it's completely like the reason why it doesn't fit into the theology, like the, the reason into the moral structure of the faith as orig- originally created by even the the version, even the the pre Valiente Gerald Gardner version, it doesn't fit with, and it doesn't fit obviously with the post Valiente modifications that we know as Wicca today. Um, like the reason why it doesn't fit is because Monique Wilson made it up after Gardner's death. 
like we don't have divine revelation in Wicca, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like we believe in these certain things, but no one Wiccan is supposed to be any smarter than any other Wiccan, and we're not supposed to be smarter than the rest of humanity either. Uh, and the read is supposed to be advice. It's it it's advice from one Wiccan to another, right? Mm-hmm. And so like not our moral like rule, a universal set of rules, right? It is it is a the Wiccan read is. The, a read means advice. The the it's it's it it is one Wiccan telling another Wiccan, hey, this is how we should probably act, right? If there's no universal enforcement of that rule. There's no theological reason that rule didn't come from the god and goddess. That rule didn't come from the god and goddess. That came from other human Wiccans, like so. Like this threefold rule has no sense. But I believed it was like a foundational part of Wicca for a long time. And I didn't even know that it wasn't not like that. It wasn't part of, not part of the foundational part until like into my thirties. I've been practicing witchcraft and Wicca since I was a teenager. And I never bothered to look further. And that frustrates me. I hate being wrong. That's my big thing. Why do I correct people? Because I hate being wrong. <laughs> you being wrong Here, is learn, nowhere learn near as bad as me being wrong. All right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I've been wrong about something, and then I see you say the thing that I used to be wrong about, I'm going to be like, no, no, hon, no, no. Yeah. Well, it depends mm-hmm. on your tone. If you're if you're just saying the wrong thing, I'll be like, ah, oh, honey, so... No. I used to think that too, but actually here's some sources that kind of prove this wrong. And uh, that's if someone's just espousing. If, if someone like jumps on, like if I'm on Tumblr and some bozo jumps on someone else's post and the original post is correct. I'm like, um, actually, uh, uh, Ostara is in celebration of Ishtar, which is, I'm going to be like, no, bad, bad. (laughs) Hit him with the newspaper. (laughs) <laughs> like, I swear, no, 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 Lilith, you, you're going to make a post about Lilith? You, you're you're going to do that? I will, I will uh. hit you. That That is the Bernie relief. That is a Reshkigal. Shut up. Uh. Shut, shut up. Yes. If I have to look at the goddamn Bernie relief again, I. Ah. <laughs> uh. I, I gotta say, listening to you just go off on the whole Lilith thing in that episode was just so satisfying. Like I, I made, I often make the mistake of of uh, of listening to BS Free Witchcraft while I'm at work. Oh no! That's and a... and I honestly like that goes I wrong in two know, different ways. I don't know why I haven't learned by now because there are just so many. Uh, moments in in most of the episodes, let's be fair, where I just want to, like, do the yes, like, out loud, like, there needs to be fist pumping and just, yes, that, preach, say it, you said it, it needed to be said it, you said it, and it's, (laughs) I have to do a lot of, like, happy flailing at my desk and just hope no one walks in. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sometimes I'm thoughtful and contemplative. Sometimes I am entertainingly frustrated. And then sometimes I'm just saying the most depressing shit you've ever heard. (laughs) But all of it needs saying. And all of it is... Oh, absolutely. 
cool and like eye-opening in its own way, which is why it's such a great show. And if you're not listening, you should be. Well, well, you know that Crystal's episode started out meant to be like, because you know how I did the the episode on candles and I did the episode on ghosts, and both of those were like around freaking Christmas candles and, and freaking ghosts. Yes. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> And they were both supposed to be like, you know, they were fun, lighthearted things. And it event originally the crystals episode was supposed to be like another one where I used some euphemism for the F word and then crystals. And then I did the research <laughs> for the episode and I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is the most depressing podcast I've ever recorded. <laughs> oh no. But again, necessary information. Right. But I was like, my grandma was dying. And like, I was like, oh, honey. Like, that's why I like, so like my grandmother died like uh, two days before Christmas. Oh. Um, it, it is fine. Um, uh, it's it, so sad. It was, she was in hospice for several months. So like, I was like emotionally braced for it. Uh, but yeah. like, so mm-hmm. like the context of like that, like originally I was going to do that crystals episode. That was going to be my fun, happy episode for the end of the year. because <laughs> I did, I did my episode on like predators, abusers and cults in November. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, you know, I like, I was like, okay, so we go, so we got the Halloween, the fun episode. So, so I was like, cause I try to alternate. Right. So it's like September, I'm doing my Aiden Kelly rant. Then in uh in then October I'll do my ghost episode like my my regular ghost stories episode that I do every October and then we'll go dark with like the 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 predators episode in November and then we'll do the fun crystals episode where I'm like yelling and stuff and like and then I'm doing the research and I'm like oh oh this is bad so that's why the uh the uh, I did like I last minute I was like oh crap what can I write about right now that I like have a full topic so I did that whole episode breaking uh myths talking about the myths about yule here's the thing like here's and this is more on topic with this episode and um but like the topic of my yule episode and Eurostar episode um one of the big myths about the whole like stolen holidays that drives me nuts is what do these people think happened when the christian church rolled into convert an area they they, they all think that it was you know point of a sword and you know, everything but, was, well, we're taking over and you can't have it anymore and completely ignores that, like, syncretism exists. But but that, that but that also, like, like that doesn't – even that narrative also doesn't work because, mm-hmm. like, here's the thing. It's like, okay, so the idea that um, the church stole these traditions, like, means that the church is going, like, okay, so, guys, I got a plan. I got a plan. We're going to move into – uh, we're going to move into like Norway, like Norway, right, guys? Cool. Norway, Sweden, like whole Scandinavia, right? We're going to we're going to move the church here, guys. Great. So here's the thing. This is what I'm thinking. We're going to take we're going to take the birth of our Lord and Savior. We all super love Jesus, right? We all super love Jesus. We are going to change everything about our celebration, about the most important figure in our whole religion, right? I know that, like, Easter's the bigger celebration and the more theologically important one, but, like, this is his birth, so it's pretty big. And these guys have this big party where they all get wasted, like, super wasted every year. Like, they don't stop partying until the booze runs out, like, super wasted. And we are going to, like, change everything about the virgin birth of our Savior— you know that guy who's super important to us who we love so much that guy that guy we're going to change everything about the celebration of his birth to 
like match their like hedonistic like let's all get drunk party and that'll that'll totally sell them and i guess we'll just have to like adopt this of course like all of europe i guess going forward too like we'll just change our fundamental beliefs just to sell it to these guys with braids and beards right okay the braids beard (laughs) beer we gotta sell it to these guys so we're gonna change the whole religion just to just to sell it to these guys Mm -hmm. like does that sound like a it makes a goddamn bit of sense and then to do the same thing when they went to the british isles guys guys guys, we're in the british isles we need to okay 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 so you know you know the the death of our lord and savior that's the big one that's like this is like historic church so like hallelujah that's gonna be written about this shit right here all right all right so we're gonna change everything for easter all right, you know what we're gonna change to? Like the death of our Lord. It's all gonna be about like these 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 druids, these guys in hoods and stuff. I don't know if they historically have hoods, but we're gonna say they do in this narrative. Anyways, uh, we're gonna change everything to match their holiday about fucking, right? Like the death of our Lord. This is gonna match up to their holiday about like they got this whole thing with like rabbits boning each other, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna change everything. They got this goddess, the sab like. Eoster or whatever. And I mean, don't, don't, I mean, we're not going to change the name of the, the holidays in any other region except for just here. So like the name will only name after here, but for everybody, we're going to make it about this holiday about fucking. <laughs> this, I mean, I know that we, that we come from like, like historically our church like evolved out of an offshoot of Judaism and like Passover was huge. Like this big, massive holiday. And fuck literally that. everywhere right. else, it's named after Passover. But right. yeah, no, 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 no. Fuck in that. these fuck two that. places, we'll name it after this guy. We're going to name it after their gods, and the whole world, we're going to change it into a holiday. We're going to just take all their symbols for fucking. <laughs> we're going to take it only from them. Like, we don't have any history with these symbols whatsoever. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just going to steal it from these guys. Oh, yes. And and also just the the sort of like, oh, yes, these I've seen people say, like, in the same breath, you know, Christians thought that, you know, the pagans were these, these, you know, forgive me, these heathen savages that, that you know, need to be converted because until they join our religion, they don't have a soul and aren't, you know, worth keeping alive. But also they have really, really great ideas and we should probably incorporate them into our calendar just wholesale because we haven't got anything of our own. It, it, you can't have it both ways. Well, it's like, it's like, how does the obvious never strike these people? The obvious right? of like, hey, we're the we're the church. You, you need to believe in Jesus. And depending on the historical context, we could be either pointing swords at you, or like just offering you like aid if you come and join our church or whatever. Like, but but you have to you have to join us to get our stuff or to not die, depending on the context of the individual situation. Because sometimes the church did histo- did do horrific stuff. Sometimes we're just like being Take persuasive. But either way, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, but oh, the, sure, the I'll believe in narrative. Jesus, but you didn't stop doing any of the other stuff you were doing, like all of these, like, rituals yeah. and stuff you were doing for that holiday. Oh, but uh, this is, uh, no, um, no, I totally, I, I totally believe in Jesus. This is about Jesus now. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Sure. Totally. I'm to- this is, this is about Jesus now. Mm-hmm. It is. But, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess we'll accept this. And then in 50 years, nobody remembers. Exactly, because shit wasn't getting written down most of the time. Yeah. 
exactly. And but that that narrative doesn't fit in with the, you know, oh, the, the church is this universal baddie that is the enemy of pagans everywhere, which so many people, like we said before, you but know, again, want want to incorporate into their personal identity. It's, and it's a like, contradictory narrative because yeah. either like even if you took the church to the like, OK, the, and the Catholic Church has done awful things. In, yes, in history. fully, they, fully acknowledging like, the church has super problematic history, like not denying that at all. Like, we don't need to talk about the Indian residential schools. Um, <laughs> that are there are still some operating in the United States. Look it horrendous. up. Look it horrendous. up. Don't give them money. Um, yeah, they uh, they're very predatory. Uh, we got anyways. mail from one over the Christmas holiday. I literally set it but, on fire. Yeah, it's but so what I'm saying is that like the narrative of the church came in everywhere and forced everyone and the church changed all their holidays to match with these other people's practices are contradictory narratives. Because if they're coming in at sword point to eliminate the pagan faith, they would not allow the continued practice of that pagan faith, let alone they wouldn't change their own practices to be more persuasive. The sword does the persuading. Exactly. So like it's neither of these narratives, like if you cannot like neither of these, I mean, the church did come into some places forcibly, but they Mm -hmm. came into other places, not forcibly. There were different people at different times acting different ways, but you cannot hold these two narratives in your head. If you look at them critically. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet, time and time again, we see this happen. Because, again, also, it comes from the fact that if anybody looked at the actual, like, non-witchcraft sources for this information. And practice critical thinking. And, again, this is very convenient because academia, while it does have biases and racism, the great mm-hmm. news is, is that what we're talking about is European history and about European history in Europe, it's that's where they did the least problematic work. So it's that's what they wrote down the most about. That's what they're obsessed with. That's that's where the most good primary sources are. You dinks. <laughs> yeah, and so much of it really, it really just is, you know, not having that outside perspective and not practicing that critical thinking which yeah. you know people always need to do yeah i thought wicker <sighs> was ancient i thought it was an unbroken line i thought all of the holidays were stolen from us i thought all of this stuff and it like deconstructing my own like that's the funny thing it's like i'm always like people always talk about deconstructing christianity i'm like i had to deconstruct my wiccan beliefs mm-hmm. and uh i'm good with that i had the the advantages that like having these dissolutions for me like was actually like not this like shaking moment of faith only because i kind of figured out what i believed before i became a wiccan because i kind of figured out my conception of divinity and stuff like that and then it was like oh here's this religion that kind of actually matches up to what you just figured out for yourself that you already know about because you know other wiccans like you have you know, another Wiccan in the family, like who I never talked to about this. It was always funny. Like I did completely on my own. Um, I don't want to say who that family member was because they no longer uh, describe themselves with that word. And um, I don't 
I don't know how publicly they would want that information because the the fair. Uh, but um, like they would probably be fine with me saying it, but I just want to be safe since I'm on a podcast with a bunch of listeners. Um, yeah. The uh, like. I, I knew so like I came into it from that angle and then finding out, oh, it's not so ancient. I'm like, well, you know, the revelation I had at 72nd Street and North Avenue uh, really didn't rely on the historic context being there. It's what I personally came to in that epiphanal moment. So uh, I guess fine. I guess it's not ancient. Great. Um, I'm, I, then I was like, I'm annoyed with myself for having not figured this out sooner. That's that's mm-hmm. where it comes in. But, like, I've always said, just because something's old doesn't make it better. The need to justify everything that we're doing as ancient is yes. so baloney. Um, like, you don't have to make up stories. You don't. Yeah, I mean, we have tons and tons of modern traditions that are, you know no more than 50 years old, not just in like witchcraft and paganism, but like socially we have traditions that are really, really new and people just accept them because it's like, oh, you know, time has passed, the world has changed and this is how it is now. I mean, perfect example is how like greeting other people has changed since the pandemic started. Look, There's we know that I started out this Skype hands. call with Ahoy Ahoy, just like, you know. <laughs> ahoy Ahoy. Yep. Ahoy Ahoy. Just as was it Alexander <laughs> Graham Bell pitched that. Exactly. Or was it Edison? I don't remember. One but Ahoy Ahoy. That's how we're supposed to begin every call. And so we do. That's the exactly. tradition because that's the oldest way that you're supposed to do it. Exactly. And it, it's like you said, you know, things don't have to be ancient to be legitimate but i think that a lot of modern witches and pagans are a little insecure about you know how young some of our traditions are compared to how old you know a lot of these other more widespread established religions are and it's like well we need to feel some of that legitimacy so we're going to like cling to or claim or point to you know, whatever we can find in antiquity that looks like what we're doing now, even yeah. though it is not the same, even though it may not have anything to do with us. And it's it's the same mentality that gives us, you know, we are the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn. And oh, it's my like, God. It's oh, like, God. no, yeah. that is that is wrong on so many levels because you have one. They weren't I witches, believed in and the burning two, times at one point. Yeah, but it's like one they weren't witches and we probably unironically be posted that you the burning that. times never forget. Oh yeah, and on also, the internet like, I found we, we it. We have yeah, we have nothing to do with, you know, 15th century heretics. <laughs> I <laughs> but it, I but it's yeah. something we can cling to that like validates an identity and if you don't look too much into it it sounds great. But it is important to understand like where where the stuff comes from and the wider you know, context. And sometimes you do have to actually be correct with the things you believe because belief is one thing, but when you use that belief to then tout something that perpetuates an incorrect or even a harmful ideology, uh, problems can arise. And 
even if you know it doesn't cause like widespread community problems or exclude people or hurt people, it still makes you look like an asshole. So, so I, I know you're trying to wrap things together here, but I got to tell you something. Yeah. Um, while, Go while, for it. After you asked me to be on the show, I actually um, I found uh, through Internet Archive a copy of uh, my old uh, Tregorn's Pagan page, which is a web page I made when as a teenager that ha I have scrubbed from the Internet, but it's still on archive.org. And I'm not it, it is no URL that you will ever find on the Internet unless I gave it to you specifically. Would you ever find this thing? Um, but there was a whole page on the Burning Times. Oh, a whole a page on it. And uh, I of of words I wrote, espousing the the myth of the Burning Times, mm -hmm. and I wrote never forget unironically on it. Oh and God! I I oh, did that. I have it is it is you cannot find this on the internet unless you know exactly how to get there on archive.org. Uh, but it is the most. There are very few things I've done in my life that are deeply embarrassing. This is on that <laughs> list. Well, you know, we all have our moments of cringe, you know, and, and I honestly think that if there's any witch or pagan out there that is like, no, I've never had to change my beliefs. I've never had to incorporate new information. I've always been right about everything I've ever believed right from the start of my practice, either that person is incredibly new to the community or they're full of shit. Because part of like growing and learning as a practitioner is that you have to incorporate new information. And that means discarding older beliefs, but that, you know, sure it's painful sometimes, but growth isn't always smooth. It's not always linear and it's not always comfortable. Uh, but it is super important. So sure, we can all look back and be embarrassed about the people we were five years ago or just kind of go, hmm, OK, that's somewhere that uh, I've changed and hopefully improved since then. And the important thing to remember is. Like, however, however much we might look back at our past selves and kind of like facepalm a little bit, and we all do. Uh, the important thing to remember is that the person you were five years ago or however far back you're looking is not the person you are today. You, you aren't even the same person today that you were yesterday. And just imagine how much you'll change and how much more you'll know and how much more you'll grow tomorrow, next year, five years from now. The Wiccan I was at 17 is very different than the Wiccan I am at 41. Mm -hmm. And that's good. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing if you're if you're growing in a positive direction and you're like learning and educating and, you know, be, becoming a more well-rounded person and a more well-educated person. You know, that's always good. And especially if you're like placing yourself in the position of an informer or an educator like we are, it's like you are yeah. obligated. You have to get your shit straight, you know? Oh, yeah, and, no. It's... And it's like, okay, sure, it sh it can shake you foundationally. Uh, you know, it, it can shake a person when, when you learn, you know, like you did, that, oh, shoot, all these sources I was relying on have been wrong. You know, the community I've been trusting has lied to me about all of these things. Yeah. That can shake a person. But the important thing is then what you do 
after that moment, do you double down on the stuff that you now know to be false? Or do you go, okay, that was a mistake. I'm going to go find what's actually real. Yeah. And if your if your faith and your belief and your convictions are strong enough, they will survive that shakeup. And if not, you'll move on to something that suits you better. Either way, it's good. Yeah, it's also like one of the things I've found is the longer I do this, and especially like doing research for like like my show and things like that, is that often I find that I have blind spots I didn't know that I had. Not where I necessarily had some overt like incorrect belief, but so much that like my framing of a question or a story was colored by my lack of information on it. And that as I researched and learned more, like it, the the context gave me a better understanding of the topics. Like <clears throat> that is one thing. That is one thing about uh, like researching things for my podcast has been that uh, there are times when I thought I knew a subject matter, and then I start to do the research because I always reconfirm the facts whether I think I know them or not. Because there have been times where my understanding of the facts was inaccurate. It's And so before I put something out in the show, I make sure that I have, even if I think I know, like, it's, I know the history of Wicca very well. Like, but I'm still checking, like, someone asked me on, and this is what Tumblr asked about, like, about Crowley and Gardner, like some myth about like some weird anecdote that's completely untrue about them. Like I'm like, uh, but, but, and I was like, I don't think that's possible in the timeline. But before I even just immediately answered, I was like, no, okay. Gardner died here. I'm sorry. It wasn't about Crowley. It was about uh, LaVey. It was something like, it was about like Crowley, <laughs> Crowley and Gardner met each other, knew each other. Uh, yes. Gardner I'm fairly certain never met Anton LaVey because like it, like the timing of the death and ages and things like that. And the story didn't make any sense, but I immediately wanted to dismiss it. But before I did, I went, okay, so we're going to double check that I'm right. And it, I was, I was right, which good. But like the moment someone like comes at me with something like that doesn't match my understanding of the facts. I'm like, okay, let's dial back and let's check my understanding of the facts. Let's make sure that I am coming from this from like, like I'm going to ass- I'm not going to assume that what I know to be true before this conversation starts to be true without re-verifying it. Exactly, because no matter how how much you've read or researched or how long you've practiced something or understood something, you can always double check before passing it on. And that's really really important. You know, never be afraid to fact check yourself. I I well, I and also I just do as you words get... I do words for a living. Do words for a living. Yeah. See, I I, I speak English good, real well. good. I, speak I English, well good. Yes, I English and write real good. And I literally looked up the definition of the word cognate this morning just to make sure I was looking at I was like using it correctly. It's like oh, yeah. I know this, but I want to make sure that I'm using it correctly because I'm passing this information on to another person and I don't want them to be getting bad information from me. Well, and there's also this thing where like that thing I read 20 years ago, because as you get older, like as you get older kids, (laughs) 
your brain starts to conflate things. And maybe what you remember to be correct is incorrect because memory is not a static thing. And memories of an event can change. The Mandela effect is people just having lousy memories and then putting a little spin of racism on it sometimes. Oh, my God. Um, confusing a, a biopic about Stephen Biko for the death of Nelson Mandela is because white people in America can't tell two black South African activists apart. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, but yeah, no, it's the thing I read 20 years ago. First off, I might be remembering it wrong, no matter how certain I am, because that's definitely happened. But also, too, that thing I read 20 years ago might there might be new data and better research done since then that shows that that thing I read 20 years ago, even though it was the understanding 20 years ago, may no longer be understood to be correct. New information may have surfaced. So, like, you got to double check stuff. Exactly. The biggest problem people have, like, as they get older, is that people say with certainty things that they understood to be true when they were younger. And it, they they aren't willing to listen to new evidence as it comes out because it contradicts their, their version of events. And the entire thing is what's important. What's really important in life is to have a flexible understanding of reality and, and your world that as new information comes, you must always be willing to adapt to it, but also so you verify what you know besides so besides verifying the new information that comes in, you must ver re-verify what you already know at the same time when being exposed to it you do not just verify that the new information what you all i mean obviously you need to verify that the new information is sourced and true and whatever but you should also on that same subject matter re-verify your previous understanding of the topic that was statement was so good i was sitting here vibing to it <laughs> oh. and i couldn't have said it better myself so i think this that's probably a good note to end on okay <laughs> So that that uh, with that, that epic and beautiful statement, thank you for putting that so, so well, uh, that does it for this month. And uh, not incidentally, the two year anniversary of Hex Positive. Yay. Yay. Diversity, it's our it's our birthday. You record uh, so, so much earlier than I do. Well, <laughs> you know, this month I was being really proactive, uh, you know, Literally the 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 Easter one I was editing it like listeners, the day it went up on Patreon. <laughs> listeners, I just want to be clear. It is going to be another two weeks before I even begin writing the script for the April episode of BS Free Witchcraft. <laughs> when we're recording this, I, I like to be proactive. What can I say? Uh, I get stressed when I get too close to I, deadlines. Do you know how you can tell when I finished editing and recording an episode of BS Free Witchcraft? It gets posted. It goes out to the Patreon patrons. Yes. <laughs> yes. I pulled a U last month. Oh, but anyway, uh, make sure you're following us on all the socials. Trey, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on uh, on Twitter. I'm at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. You can find me on Tumblr at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N.tumblr.com. You can find me on TikTok at TikTok. Uh, my TikTok user is T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. And on Facebook, you should just pull me up as uh, BS Free Witchcraft, the Facebook page. And uh, or at just the general Nerd and Tie Facebook page, uh, Nerd and Tie. Um, also, uh, I mean, this is going to come out after it happens. So I run No Brand Con, uh, a Wisconsin anime convention, but that's in April, which again, that's in the past for you at home. I'm breaking your reality. 
So uh, I don't know what our 2023 dates will be. So Whibbly I can't wobbly, tell you. Timey wimey. Yes. <laughs> we don't have a contract for 2023 yet. So well, I crossed. don't know. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, the hotel and... would like us to have one. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we'll look forward to uh, next year's no brand con, we hope. Maybe. Yes. Anyway, you can find me as Brina Garen on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, WordPress, and TikTok. I promise I'll start putting more content up there at some Joint. point. I, I surpassed you in TikTok followers so fast. <sighs> well, that's because you you actually like understand how to use the app, and I just don't. I'm old and stodgy in different ways. So I, so I do this thing. So this is, this is the tip. To use TikTok, what you do is you make a video, and you put it Listen. Out. Listen. And then, and then, <laughs> maybe like another day, you make a video, and then you put it out. Senpai, I will fight you. <laughs> and then, and then, and get this. This is the key. This is the key. On yet a third other day, you take out your phone, right? Take out your phone. You just do this on your phone. Take it out. You press the button, and and you make another video. And you save it in your draft, so you sit on it for a few hours, and then you put it out. Listen, I did not come here to get roasted <laughs> on my own show, but it's happening. Now, if you want to be a little uh, bit extra. <laughs> all right, all right. You take out your phone. Um, anyway, if Make you're enjoying the podcast and all of this nonsense, uh, you can definitely subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and please do. Uh, you can also check out my books in the Willow Wings Witch Shop, which is brinagarin.wordpress.com slash shop. Uh, make sure that you show some love to our absolutely fabulous sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, hosted by this nut, as well as the other fantastic shows and creators on the Nerd and Tie podcast network. Yeah, if you're feeling yeah. froggy, uh, join us for a chat by going to nerdandtie.com slash discord for the discord invite. Hey, hey, you know how I, you know how I make a podcast? Mm-hmm. I sit down, I record it, I put it on the website, and then I put it out. Now, the key is to keep a web, to keep a podcast going. It's, it's it's the next time I record a podcast. You know what I do? You post it. I put it out. <laughs> God. Anyway, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> never gonna financially recover from this <laughs> uh, uh, so until next time this is Bree and Trey reminding you to stay safe do your homework and celebrate your progress no matter how small and you may, keep putting out content <laughs> you make a thing and then you I put it out, it out. <laughs> you want to be a witch you cast a spell and then you put and, it out and maybe next week you do it again you, you you're doing something with a candle. You light the candle, and when you're done, you put it out. <laughs> God. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, 
And remember, always practice safe hex.